Hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless Jesus. Bless Jesus. Hallelujah. We're getting ready for the word. Hallelujah. I'm going to introduce to some and to others we know, EPT Pastor Tangi. Hallelujah. joy speaking for me, but I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Do I have any glad people in the building on today? Are you truly glad of Zion in the house on this morning? I praise God to be here on this morning. I give him glory. I give him honor. He deserves all my praise. She said that we ought to bless the Lord at all times. And his praises shall continually be in our mouth. But it's in my mouth. I don't know about you. But his praises shall continually be in my mouth. Because I'm going to magnify him every chance that I get. I'm going to glorify him every chance that I get. I'm going to bless his holy name. Because there is none like him in all the earth. There is none that can compare to him. The Bible says there is none beside him. There was none before him. There will be none after him. He is the only wise, true, and living God. We bless his holy name on this morning. I, I count it an honor and a joy to even stand before his people. Uh, I thank my apostle, Suzanne Howard. I give her glory. I give her praise. I thank you for the man of God that stands beside her and Deacon Bernard Howard, our first gentleman. I thank God for the elders, uh, Pastor D, elders Lisa and uh, Joy and ministers Misha, Leah, Kareem, uh, Vanessa, Thomasina, Mike, everybody, Tasha, I give everybody glory, I give them praise, I honor them, because this is a work that we can't do by ourselves, that's why we have co-laborers, and I bless God for you, the ecclesia, the church at large, I praise God for his holy name, I just want to say good morning, uh, bienvenido a la casa de los apostoles, come on, you ain't know how to Spanish now, that's to all our Latin viewers. Welcome to the Apostles' House. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And to all my Jewish viewers, I want to say, Hine ma tovu ma naim shevet akim gam yachal. Which means how good it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Shout out to Mother Hannah. <laughs> my Hebrew class. <laughs> There's some things that I always remember, you know, but thank God, I praise God for that. Um, we're continuing in our, our, our study on the courts of heaven. Uh, we are in the chapter that says strategies and protocols for unlocking destinies from the courts of heaven. So I came to help you unlock some destinies today. There's some things that have been held up on our behalf that the enemy has been holding back. But I came to help you on this morning. Amen. Amen. Father, I pray that you would increase and that I would decrease. Let your word fall on good ground, God, that it will take root and produce not only a fruit but harvest in the lives of your people. Let ears be attentive to hear and let hearts be open to see, God. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. You may have your seats. As I said, we're continuing with our, our studies on the courts of heaven. This is a great study. If you haven't uh, read the book, if you haven't uh, been in Bible study, if you haven't been in church, you haven't, you haven't been listening, um, I feel bad for you. Because you're missing a lot. I feel bad for you. You should be in the house. Even if we don't have, if you, even if you can't come into the building itself, there is still virtual that you can enter in. And I came to help some people enter into his courts on today. Enter into his courts. Now we're talking about strategies and protocols. Strategies are, are what we call a plan of action. Our, our senior leadership will know that that's, uh, that's what we say we got to de develop an action plan, if you would. So we, we're, we're talking about some protocols. Uh, protocols are just a system of rules that correct and conduct our procedures that we have to follow. There are some procedures in the house that we must follow as leaders. We know that our ministers, when they, they're gonna be absent, they need to notify their overseer, you know what I'm saying? If there's an issue or a situation, a problem that arises, contact your overseer. If they can't, they can't uh, solve it for you, then you go to the next uh, individual, which may be myself or Pastor D, and then the last resort is the apostle. So those are procedures. That's a, just an example of what it is that procedures and protocols that we're talking about. Now, so, uh, now when we try to enter into the courts of heaven, uh, we have to go in, in prayer. So we have the, the Holy Spirit has to lead and guide us and direct us because this is the only way that we are going to be in, to, able to engage in the spiritual realm. Uh, we have to seek direction from the Holy Spirit. Uh, Romans 8 and 26 says that, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. See, the Lord realizes that we have limitations, that we can't do everything, anything on our own accord. Uh, Thomasina said today, it's, it's through him that I move, that I live, and that I have my being. So we need the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's going to lead us and guide us. And we, and we know that what we lack in words, the Spirit is going to make up for that. What I don't know what to pray when I'm on my knees, the Spirit is going to make intercession for me. He's going to begin with moanings and groanings. Uh, you, uh, you may even be able to go in tongues, but we we're not, may not be able to know what you're saying, but the Spirit knows what you're saying. God knows what you're saying when you go into your heavenly language. So it's through, through the Holy Spirit that we do this. And you know what it does? It pleases God. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 6 that without faith it's impossible to please God. And that they who, uh, who uh, come to him must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. So it takes faith to go into the spiritual realm. How can you get in? Faith is the key uh, to, to unlock the door. Now it says that we can't allow anything to hinder us or stop us. Uh, we, we sometimes feel that we're insufficient, that we're lacking some things. You don't have to be a great uh, prayer warrior. You don't have to be a great intercessor. Remember, the spirit makes intercession for you. What we lack, God will provide, like I said. As we approach the courts of heaven to unlock our destiny and dissolve any curses that is set to hinder it, we must use the proper protocol. And we said that a protocol was a system of rules that explained the correct conduct and the correct procedure. So there's some behavior that we must adhere to. There's some uh, uh, correct conduct, if you will. The Lord God does things in decency and in order. There is no confusion in him. So when we enter into the cage, you, there's a certain way into the courts, there's a certain way that you must enter in. So when we approach him, let me get back to the word dissolve, because I like that word. Dissolve means to bring an end to, dismiss, terminate, or to cease. 
So that means we have the, the authority and the power to, to cease any curse, to cease any accusation, to dismiss any uh, a complaint that's been made against us. And when we go in, there's three ways that we approach God, the three realms. Pa Apostle taught us this before. There's God the Father, there's God the Friend, and there's God the Judge. Now, when we go before the Father, he's going to receive us uh, because we're his children. I think about uh, Minister Mike. Every time uh, Madison sees him, she goes running to her daddy. He opens up them big bare arms, and he just scoops her up. That's our Father. That's how our Heavenly Father does us. He welcomes us in. But when you... Have, um, when you go before him as friend, there's no protocol. There's no procedure that I have to follow. And, and think about it when you're with your own friends. There's no protocol that you have to, you could, you could call your friend anytime at night. You might be like, hey girl, come pick me up. Let's, let's go down, let's go get some ice cream. Let's, let's go shopping, let's do whatever. There's no protocol, there's no procedure that you have to follow because that's your friend. But when you come before the judge, there's a protocol that you have to go before him. Because he is, uh, he's not just like, he's not your friend. He's not, you're not relating to him in that manner. But when you become before him as a judge, like I said, there's protocol. And think about it, every court has a realm of behavior. Uh, think about it, if you're in a natural court, there's criminal court, there's civil court, there's uh, small claims court, there's different kinds of courts, and every court has a different procedure that they must follow. The same thing is that, is that within the heavenly realms, with, within the court. We must learn that protocol and walk in it and allow it to govern us as we function in the courts of heaven. So this is what we have to do. As we approach the judge, we have to ask him for the courts to be open. Now, I thought about this song. You know how they say, uh, open the floodgates of heaven? Yeah. And, what's that? Uh, let it rain on us. You know what I'm saying? So we want our spiritual blessing to come down. But why is it that we don't say, Lord, open up the courts for me? We're so busy saying, I want a blessing. I want to pour it out, rain down on me, shine down on me, smile upon me. But no, open up the courts for me because that's where your destiny lies. And the reason we don't say that is because we don't want to go before the judge. Because think about it. When you go before a judge, even in the natural, you're fearful. Because the judge, the judge has uh, the, the, the right to... Uh, he has your faith in his hand, his fa your faith in his hand. He can either send you to jail, maybe you'll get a fine, maybe you'll do a little bit of time or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Maybe you'll get a slap on the wrist, you never know. But when we stand before the judge, there's, there's, like, there's a fear and there's a reverence. It's not the fear that we're hiding like uh, Adam and Eve when they, when they messed up, they begin to hide and fear him. Why did they fear him? Because they were walking with him in the cool of the day. But yet, when they knew they were in trouble, they went and hid. We don't have to do that with, with God. We don't, have to, we don't have to hide when we go into the courts. We just come in. And we do, we do this because there's a certain, they say, weightiness. And there's a certain importance or a seriousness about it because this is not something that we play around with. And if you look at, um, and even you have to think of him as the great king. They sing that he's the king of kings on this morning, that he's the lord of lords. Uh, Revelation 19 and 16 says, on his robe and his thigh is written, king of kings and lord of lords. So we shouldn't have to fear who he is. And think about it, it said, there's a procedure, there's a protocol, there's a way that we go into. And take Esther, for instance. You remember the story of Esther, uh, Esther 5 and 2. So I'm going to read 5 and 2. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she found favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. See, Esther waited until she was invited to come in. Now, if you go back to verse 1, because it skips over verse 1, it says that she put on her royal robes. So she stood in the inner court, it said, where the king could see her. So when he caught a glimpse of her, he welcomed her in. He held out his scepter. Because you know, when the, if the king holds out his scepter to you, that means your life is not at risk. That means your life has been saved. 
So she goes into him. And I, I thought about it. I said, okay, she put on her royal robes. Now, mind you, uh, not only is King Ahasuerus the king, but he's also her husband. Now, think about it, ladies, when you want your husband or your, your significant other to do something for you, okay? You don't put on your royal robe. You put on your Vicky secrets, okay? You, you, you come out in, in your, your, best, your best lingerie, you know? You might have your little high heel pumps on or whatever, you know, you, you prancing around in front of them, you know, and you, you, you get your little finger on like, Big Daddy, <laughs> how you doing, Big Daddy? Uh, Big Daddy, I need a favor from you. She didn't go in like that. She went in with she went in with honor and with reverence because she knew just who he was. Help me, Holy Ghost. Help me, Holy Ghost. <laughs> so she went in with uh, with a uh, reverence. And if you read the rest of Esther, it says that she went, when she went before him, she asked to come before his presence two times. So I thought about that. I said, okay. There's more than one time that we're going to have to enter into the courts. Because as we talked about the last time, uh, Revelation 12 and 10 says that uh, he's going, he's in front of the front of God um, accusing us day and night. So that means 24 hours a day, seven days a week, he has, he's presenting his case on us before the judge, okay? So he's not letting up for, with us. So we may have to go in more than one time if we don't take care of what we're supposed to in the first place. So I, I thought about it. I said, she went before him two times. And not only did she ask for the king to be present, she asked for her accuser to be present. Wow. You got to go back and read Esther. You got to go back. Because she had Haman come in at the same time too. Let, let me move on. We probably go back to that. But anyway. <laughs> it was just so amazing to me that she had the, the accuser was present also. My God, my God. So once we are in the courts, we can prophetically present our case. That means that with, uh, based on what's in our book, I believe, uh, I believe it was Elder Lisa when you preached about that the, the book, the heavens, the books are open, that we have open books in the heavens. So we have to know what's in the book in the first place. So we have to go with prophetic praying, prophetic decrees, and prophetic petitions. So we know that uh, decrees are an official order issued by legal authority. And we know those, those petitions are written requests, okay? We have to go before God because, um, and, and remind him of the revelation that he gave to us. Remember when I said we go into prayer with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit gives us the revelation of what it is that God is saying about us. That's how we know what his good and perfect will is concerning us because the Spirit tells us because, remember, the Spirit leads and guides us in all truth, and the Spirit is, is truth. So it says... We, must, we know our destiny by the revelation that God gives to us. So the prophetic words that have been spoken, we know are in our book. So we have to put God in remembrance of that. Isaiah 43 and 26 says that, put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. God is telling us, let us come together. Let us struggle and struggle with the opposition together because you're not going to be able to do it on your own. I'm here to aid you. I'm here to help you. That's what he's saying. He says, state your case that you may be acquitted. So I, I, I go back to Esther. When she was in the presence of the king, she stated her case. She said that we have been sold. We are, we are supposed to be killed, destroyed, and annihilated. Think about it, John 10 and 10. What does the devil say? I came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what he was doing. That's what Haman's plan was for the Jewish people. But, but Esther had got word of it from her uncle Mordecai. So, this, so she, had, she told the king what was, what was happening. The king was like, who would dare do this? 
So afterwards, if you go down a couple of real, uh, further along, it says that um, he had Haman killed. Haman hung on the gallows that he had made for Mordecai. So see, when you go before the king and you state your case and he hears it, come on, you get acquitted. You get saved. You get healed. You get delivered. You get set free. This is what happens when we enter into the courts of heaven. Amen? We have to bring our case before the judge. And it says we have to, we have to put him to remembrance. God says that he's not a man that he should lie, but every, you know, every word that comes out of his mouth, you know what I'm saying, it's not going to come, come back to him void. So whatever he promised you is going to happen. We have to know that. He doesn't, he's not a God that changes his mind. He, he's going he's gonna to make it happen. He said, if I haven't said it, won't it happen? You know, so he's going to make it happen for us. So we have to remember the, the prophetic word that's spoken over us. A lot of times we, don't, we, we forget what was decreed and declared over our lives because we're so busy hearing the voice of the enemy. We're so, de so busy dealing with the, the, the curses and the effects of the curses. We learned this uh, in chapters prior how, how the curses in our bloodline, how curses come because of sin and iniquity, because of the transgression that happens, because of our bloodline, because of uh, there may be some fear and some doubt that may be working in us, because maybe because of a broken marriage, maybe because of a sickness that can't be healed. And so we start doubting the Lord. We start uh, not believing uh, that what, what his promises were for us. We start doubting him. And we can't do that. Uh, you have to be like Timothy. I thought about when Pastor Paul told Timothy, you got to contend with the word that was spoken over you. You, you may not there's always going to be a struggle with the with the prophetic word spoken over you. It's not gonna it's not gonna always happen so quickly like that. You're gonna to have to go through a process, just like salvation is a process. You're gonna to have to go through this process. You're gonna actually have to walk it out. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna to have to walk out the process. And one of the the reasons or the ways that we must go in, we have to bring our case on the basis of his purpose for us. Like I said, a lot of times we come before God, we have a list of uh, wants and needs. Uh, but when we pray to God, we have to say, God, um, what is your will? And I, if I go back to Esther again, uh, she said, if it please the king. What is it that pleases the king? It's his will for your life. And that reminded me of the death of a vision. It's not about the vision that you have, but it's about the vision that God has for you. So you, ha you yourself have to die so that God can live in you. Thank you. Appreciate it. So we have to present our case on the basis of his purpose and not, not on the basis of our wants or our, even our needs. The, a decision has already been made. The verdict is going to be rendered whether or not um, we believe it to be so. It's not about what we want. And so it, it is also critical how we uh, present our case is critical. You have to learn that that when you present your case on the on the purpose of your uh, purpose of your need, nothing's going to happen. But you have to present it on the purpose of what God wants for you, for your life. Amen. Now we go to uh, Moses. Um, Moses, uh, thirty-two, verses ten through fourteen. Uh, when he interceded on behalf of Israel, uh, God was going to destroy them. Remember, uh, Israel was a stiff-necked, hard-necked people. They didn't want to listen for nothing. When Aaron went up on top, uh, Moses went on top of the mountain, what happened? Aaron didn't let them persuade him to make a golden calf. Everybody out there worshiping the golden calf instead of worshiping the Lord. Then they come back and then what? God was like, oh, no, uh-uh. We can't have none of this. Now the word says, now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, that I may consume them, and I will make you a great nation. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, 
Why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And all this land I have spoken of, I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So what? The, oh, so the Lord relented from the harm, which he said he would do to his people. So the Lord didn't harm them. So what happened was Moses made his appeal on three things. On the appeal of God's purpose in Israel. The second was on the appeal of his reputation. And the third was on the appeal of his promises and his name. What we said, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. That means he's not going to change his mind. Whatever he spoke about you in the heavens, whatever is written in your book shall come to pass. You're just going to have to walk out the accusations, the, 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 uh, the complaints that have been made against you. You're going to have to go through some things. Now, he reminds God that they are his people, that your purpose on the earth was not to destroy them. You were going to make them of a great nation. So why is it that you're going to kill them? Then he says he lets God know that people will say that you brought them out just to kill them. What's that going to look like, God? What's that going to say about your name? Like you are God that changed his mind when you, you specifically told us, told Moses to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Let them go worship. But now you're going to change your mind. You're going to kill us in the desert. You might as well have killed us in when we was slaved, when we was building them hay bricks. You might as well have killed us then. Then he says to him, remember the covenant that you made with Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. He pulled the covenant card on him. Sometimes you got to pull out the card on God. Let me remind you, Jesus, I got a covenant card. It's better than American Express. Come on now. It's better than Visa. Come on, it's better than a massacre. I got the covenant card. There's a promise that was made for me. There was a price that was paid for me. I got to remind God of his promises. Put him in remembrance. God loves us when we remind him of his word. He loves that. Because the word we're supposed to hide in our hearts anyway so that we can give it back to him. What he said, my word will not return unto me void because you're going to give my word back to me. He didn't even ask them for mercy. He didn't even ask God for, for grace. He didn't even mention a need that they had. All he talked about was that they was going to suffer because if you don't relent and let up on your people, the people of the Egypt is going to say something about you. They're going to be like, okay, we better off serving Baal. We better off serving these other guys. Why should we want to serve your God when your God going to kill you? The reason we want our destiny is so that, not so that we can be happy, but it's for, we want our destiny for his purpose to be done in the earth. Remember, God needs us. I don't say he needs us, but he desires us. He wants us. And it says in Philippians 2 and 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to fulfill his good purpose. So God uses us for his purpose to be in the earth. If you're supposed to be evangelist, that's what your will is in the earth. That's his will for you. That's not something that you thought of. That's something that God put in you. He says to act and to will his purpose in you. That's what God wants to do in us. We can't keep coming to him with a list of needs and wants. We were created for just for his purpose. We, what is this? That his promises are yes and amen. Yes means so be it. Yes, amen means yes also. That's his promise for us. That's what he wants to do for us. 
He wants us to, to receive the destiny that has been locked up in heaven for us. But we gotta. But there's a way that we have to go in. We have to go in with our royalty. We have to go in with humility, with boldness, with honor we, when we come before the king. This is the right way that we have to present our case. So remember that. And once the prophetic and, and declaration has been made, the accuser will usually rise up against you. That's when he's going to get all his his residue, like we said, all his little stuff that he got on you, all his little information, he's going to take that information and he's going to come before the courts. He's going to say, oh, nah, 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 nah. Uh, last week, uh, I believe she said she was over uh, Keisha House. They was drinking and carrying on. They was uh, dropping it like it was hot, Jesus. Uh, no. There, there's some things that was in her bloodline. Uh, there's some molestation that went on. There's some uh, alcoholism that went on. There was some addiction that went on. He's going to try to remind God of the things, that, remind God of some things um, that you that curses and things that you went through or that was in your bloodline. He's going to do that. So we have to make sure that we're presenting our case before the Lord prophetically. If there's no case presented, then you have to tell God, make Satan reveal what it is that he's saying about me. Because sometimes Satan will try to hide some stuff from us. Y'all know how he do. He's a deceiver. He's a manipulator. He's going to try to hide some things from us. So you have to say, uh, can you present the evidence? They call that discovery. Have you ever been watching uh, Law and Order or whatever? There's some things that we discovered now, okay? Uh, uh, I believe I have the right to that information, please. Can you give me that information, please? Let me add it to my files. Let me add it to my brief, okay? Let me see what, what it is that someone's so about to come up here and say about me, okay? You have the right to know. So we have the right to know that there's a discovery that has been made. So we have a right to know. He got to show us his evidence. We want to see what he's saying about us. We want to, because we want to use this to resist the, def the destiny and even that even causes curses in our own land. Think about it. What, what's the scripture? Uh, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. It said, and if they will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will he hear from heaven, forgive our sins, and heal our land. There's some things that connected to our land. And so we, uh, so we have to know that there are some curses that are going on. We have to be able to resist the destiny. We have to use these curses. He's trying to use these curses against us. And we got to say, no, Devon, you're not doing that. You're not going to use what you got against me, what the Lord has said about me. And another thing that we, we have to realize is that you have to be careful what you say. You know, Matthew 12 and 36 says that, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they say. So be careful about who you, who you talk about, especially those who have spiritual authority in the, in the spirit realm. You got to be careful about what you say. You carry spiritual weight. You, gotta, you can't just say any careless or reckless words. You can't have any careless or reckless attitude because it gives the enemy legal reason to put a curse on you, to put a curse on that land, those things that are attached to you. Your land is your family. It may be your job. It may be your, your, your inner circle. That's what your land is. So we have to be careful about even the words that we speak. We can't just be reckless with our mouth. No, we say, oh, I'm just saying no. Your words have power. The power to curse, power to give life. Be careful about the words that you speak out of your mouth. Once the accusations are removed, there must be a speaking off of any curse. So you have to begin to speak it away. So uh, the author says, uh, Isaiah 54 and 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness of, is from me, says the Lord. Now I go back to the word heritage. That means there's a birthright, there's an inheritance. Uh, Elder Joy mentioned last week that uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. 
Behold, all things, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is my inheritance, yes. that I can speak against any accusation that is made against me. I have the power to condemn it, and this is the righteousness, and my righteousness is from God. What does it say? If you go down three verses after that, or four verses after that, uh, verse 21, he says that he made him to become sin who knew no sin that he, we might become the righteousness of God. So it's because, because of God's righteousness that we can refute the, the words of the enemy. Yeah. This is our authority. This is the position that we have. We are in a position of righteousness. Think about who Job, remember Job? Job was righteous in the sight of God, but yet and still the devil was going to try him anyway because God said, what? Have you tried my servant Job? Job used to make just-in-case offerings. Let me just give an offering just in case. Somebody mess up just in case. Let me, let me put it, let me light the fire. Let me get my, my burnt offerings. Let me get that dove. Let me get that goat. Let me get that pigeon, whatever it was that he offered. He made it just in case. We have to begin to do that as well. It says, from our position of righteousness granted by the blood. So it's the, by the blood of the lamb that we were made righteous. He says, we have the power to condemn. Condemn meaning the Hebrew word is rasha, R-A-S-H-A. And it means to declare wrong. It means to disturb or to violate. When we declare that the judgments have allowed curses to be wrong, we violate and we interrupt them from operating. So we stop them from operating dead in their tracks when we, when we condemn them. So when we begin to speak against them, we stop them dead in their track. This is our inheritance, our birthright. This is what we do with the word of God. We make it so that whatever the accusation, whatever complaints that the enemy made, remember he's the accuser of the brethren. So anything that he says about us, we have the power to say that it's completely annulled, that it's invalid, it's void. We abolish it, we undo it, any curse. And I thought about when we as children, you know how you used to be as kids, your friends might be saying, um, you know how you used to pick at your friends, no, that's why you ugly. That's why your shoes don't match. That's why you. That's why you got oops on. Remember in the days we used to have oops on. We used to have no. We used to have pro cats. We used to have no Nikes or no Adidas back then. But we had, we had the little oops. And sometimes your mother went to shop and got you some sneakers. You know what I'm saying? Those are y'all. Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So, so they'll say some things about you. Oh, yo, that's why your hair nappy. But you have to be like the kids. I'm rubber, you glue. Whatever you say to me, bounce off me and back to you. You know what I'm saying? You gotta be able to say, I'm sending this curse, I'm sending this, 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 this accusation, I'm sending this complaint right back to you. I'm sending it back to you. No, I don't receive that mail. It is non-deliverable. Uh, ain't nobody here at this address you looking for. You have to begin to tell the enemy that. We should believe the spiritual position that we have been granted, but a lot of times we don't believe it. Mark 11 and 23 says that, For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. The problem is we don't never believe it. Like I said, we, we, we say scripture as if it's a catchphrase of the day. I'm just saying, LOL, live out, live out, however they say, you only live once or whatever, laugh out loud or whatever. We, we say things like it's a catchphrase, but we don't understand the power and authority that the word of God has. The word of God says the word of God is sharper and powerful than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the bone, even to the mirror, even into the depths of the soul. That's how, good, that's how strong the word is. We have to remember what is it that we're saying to, to the enemy. Your words have power. God used his word to create 
That's power. He made something that didn't exist come into existence by the what he spoke. We have the same power to do the same thing. We can say to this, we can say to the devil, no devil, uh, not today. Uh, no, I believe the word of God says about me that I shall live and not die. I shall declare the works of the Lord. I believe the word says that I'm more than a conqueror through him, through Christ Jesus. What does the word say about? You got to be able to tell the devil what the word says about you. Remind him of the promises that God gave to you. Don't just remind God, but remind the devil. We have to aggressively refuse to allow any negative spiritual force to fashion our destiny. Remember I said that he's going to kill, steal, and destroy. He's trying to uh, stop us from reaching our destiny. We have to remove every legal right of it to operate from our bloodline. Elder Joy talked about the bloodline last week. Then we command it to go into everything, every aspect of the curse is no longer operating. This is our heritage because we have absolute victory and we have absolute destiny. That's what we have in God. And it talks about the last thing that the author talked about is that, uh, for, uh, excuse me, Luke, Luke 22, 31 to 32, he talks about how uh, Satan was trying to come after uh, Peter. He said there's a natural process that we have to go through even when we deal with the courts of heaven. He said, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. See, God knew or Jesus knew that Satan was going, I mean, excuse me, Peter was going to deny him. He said, as the cock throws what, crows what, three times, you're going to deny me. He said he knew that he was going to be hiding with the rest of the disciples, hiding out. No, what did the little girl say? No, that's one of them. He, that's him over there. He was with him. And he said, no, that wasn't none of me. You ain't see me. You must have saw somebody else. Uh, she don't know what she's talking about. She must need some glasses or something because that wasn't none of me. And then he said he was going to return to fishing. He was going to begin to struggle. He was going to have a, a struggle with his life. But he said, but I prayed for you. Think about the spirit intercession for us. The spirit prays on our behalf because he knows what the will of God is. Jesus prayed for Peter because he knew what, what his will was for Peter. So he said, I pray for you. You don't got to worry about that. Then you're going to go through some trials. You're going yeah, to resist. You're going to deny me three times. Then I'm going to have to ask you three times, do you love me? Will you feed my sheep? Feed my sheep? I'm going to ask you that, Peter. But we have to remember just because that the, we've won in the courts doesn't mean that we're not going to have to struggle. It means that the victory, like I said, we're going to have to walk it out. Remember Romans uh, uh, 8 and uh, 26. And think about it. When he says, I desire to sift you as wheat, he's trying to poke holes in our faith. He's trying to get us to not believe the word of God that had come forth for, uh, regarding us. And he says, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We've been misquoting this uh, scripture for so long. We, we, we want to say the last part, for all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. We forget the verse before it. The, he searches the heart and knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So it's not about my will, 
but it's thy will that be done. It's about God's will that be done. That's why the Spirit makes intercession for us. It has nothing to do with God's sovereignty. It has nothing to do with his, all his authority, his power. It has nothing to do with that. It's because of his will and purpose for our lives. That's why we're able to enter into the courts of heaven. That's why we're able to, to uh, bring our act. That's why we're able to refute the accusations that the enemy said to us. We have to begin to refute it. I object. We're seated in heavenly places. We're sitting in the courts. We have, to be, we have to know what our position is. Our position is that of righteousness. He can't tell me that I haven't been justified. Satan has no hell, uh, hell to put me in. He can't tell me. He, can't, he has no right to judge my life. He has no right to bring condemnation upon me. He has no right to do that. That's God's job. That's God's job to judge. God has our life in the palm of his hands. He upholds us. He says we don't have to fear of anything because he's with us. What he said, thy rod and thy staff shall comfort me. What does he say? He said he'll be with us even through the valley of the shadow of death. He's with us. We don't have to worry about anything. All we have to do is stand on his promises. He said, my promises are yes and amen. What I promise you, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it come to pass. You don't have to worry about what the enemy says about you. Don't believe the lies. Don't believe the hype, so to speak. Don't believe it. You, attune your ears to the voice of God. We have to be in the spiritual realm. We have to be in the prophetic to be able to hear and to even to see what it is that the Lord is saying to us. Come on, intercessors, rise up. Come on, we got we to gotta go forth in prayer. He says, prayer by the Spirit and through the Spirit is what arranges everything to work together for us. It's praying by the Spirit and through the Spirit. So we have to pray in the Spirit. We can't pray. This flesh can't play, pray. This flesh is dirty before God. But when I go in the Spirit, when I go in prophetically, Come on, that's when I'm able to enter into the realm. That's when I'm able to enter into the courts. That's when I have access to him. I can go into the courts. I can say, if it please the king, can I approach your throne? If it please the king, can I present my case to you? If it pleases the king, can I say what the accusations have been made against me? If it please the king, tell me what it is that Satan has said about me. He's a liar, he's a thief, ain't no truth in him. Come on, you are a liar from the beginning. There's a place for you that's already been made, but no, there's a place for me in heaven. I have been glorified. I have been justified. We have to begin to, to, to refute what the enemy has said about us. Let your words have power. What were we talking about? Minister Thomasina prayed on Thursday about this power that we have to begin to open up our mouth. There's power in our tongues. Begin to refute the claim that the enemy made against us. We have to believe it. When we deal with re spiritual realities and legalities in the courts of heaven, our destinies will be unlocked. So we have to face our accuser. There's no hiding. There's no running away. When we're ready to do that, then what's intended for us in the books of heaven, we can live it out in fullness once that's been done. But you have to face your accuser. You have to face your enemy. Think about Esther. She said, no, I want Mordecai to come too. And Mordecai, here's Mordecai. You he thought he was so special because she invited him to come to the banquet too. That, that she had, she was been, being able to be in the presence of the queen also. He said, oh, she liked me. I got favor with her too. No. She brought you there because she, you made an accusation against her and she was going to tell her king what happened. And what happened was her king ended up killing him. Her king ended up hanging him on the gallows. Come on, you got to say, God, what is the enemy saying about me? Reveal it to me in the spirit, God. If there's something that I've done, if there's a transgression that I made, reveal it to me. Let me know. Then you have to begin to repent. And that's what we don't do oftentimes. We let it go by. No, repent immediately. Turn away from it immediately. 
You don't got to do a 360, but a half a turn. Come on. Repent. We're not repenting enough. That's what keeps us bound. That's what keeps us locked up. That's why there haven't been any destinies released, any promises that haven't been made. It hasn't come to pass because we haven't been doing that. You have to begin to face your accuser. And I want to leave you with these scriptures. It says that Proverbs 19 and 5, false witness will not go unpunished. And he who pulls out lies will not go free. So the devil is not going to be free. He's not going to always reign on this earth. There's a place that's for him because he's been making false witnesses against the children of God. Proverbs 22 and 4 says, Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. So it's okay to go before the judge. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be afraid. All we're doing is reverencing him as our king, as our Lord, as our savior. We're reverencing him. We're not being afraid of him. He's not going to punish us. Our destiny has already been fulfilled. We just have to come in and walk it out. Proverbs 28 and 13 says, He who conceals his sin does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So when we renounce what we've done, we find mercy. We find the grace of God. When we renounce every sin, everything that we've done, we find mercy in God. Mercy. Mercy. That's what we find in God. I want to speak to everybody that's in this room. We have to begin to come out of hiding. We've been in witness protection. I speak to every Elisha in this place. You have to come out of the cave now. It's time to face your Jezebel. It's time to face your accuser. We have to begin to stand up in the courts of heaven. God is allowing us to come in. All we have to do is say, if it pleases the king, can I enter in? That's what Esther said. She said, if it pleases the king, can I come in? Can I state my case? Can my, can my, uh, can my witness be made in the courts of heaven? Because the, what does it say? There's a cloud of witnesses that can testify on our behalf because it's not just about our one witness because what I say it may not matter but if there's if I have a whole cloud of witnesses if I whole have a whole bunch of people that are on my behalf come on what can happen when we stand before the king when we stand before the judge he's saying come out you don't gotta hide no more stand up for yourself your destiny has already been promised it's already been fulfilled. You just got to stand there and face your accuser. It's not going to go away. It's not something that we can just sweep under the carpet. We have to begin to break these curses. We have to begin to, to decree and declare, make the declarations that were spoken over us. Some of us have been called prophets. Some of us have been called apostles. Some of us have been called evangelists. We have become intercessors, but we're not walking out our destiny because we've allowed the enemy to continue to make accusations day and night, coming before the king making proclamations against us, making uh, declarations against us. We have to believe the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord stands truth. We have to begin to stand on the truth. God is saying, hear me, people. Come out. Come into the courts. He wants us to come into the courts. It's not about us receiving a blessing. It's not about us receiving a car or monies. There's greater things that he has for. There's a destiny in us. He has a plan for everybody's life in here. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. What did he say? I wish above all things that you are prosper and be in good health. Those of us who are dealing with a sickness, he said, no, I meant for you to be in good health. That is my will concerning you. If we go before him humbly, like I said, he, 
He gives us wealth. He gives us honor. He gives us long life. And that's what he desires for us, eternity with him. It's not about here on earth. It's about him. We can't go before him with our list of wants, our list of needs. We got to say, Lord, I come to you. If it pleases the king, what is your will concerning me? What is your will on this matter? I'm bringing it to you. I'm bringing it to the courts. Will you just open up the courts and let me in, God? I want the courts of heaven to be open for us on today. We've learned about the curses. We learned about how it comes to pass. We have to begin to take this information and apply it to our lives. Us just hearing it over and over again, getting fat on the word, it's not going to help us. You have to begin to you put that plan in action. What I said, strategies, developing an action plan. What is your action plan? What is it that you're going to refute against the enemy? What are you going to say as he stands in the court of heaven um, talking about you? What is it that you're going to say? Don't let your mouth be closed in this season. Begin to open up your mouth and begin to make the declarations that God has told you. He said with prophetic prayer, with prophetic declaration, with prophetic decrees. We have to begin to go into the prophetic. Say, Lord, I hear you. Open up the eyes of my heart that I will see you. Attune my ears to your voice. That I will hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Father, I pray for all your people here on this morning, those under the sound of my voice, God. I pray, God, that you would open up our eyes on this morning, God, that we would, Father God, know that we don't have to fear you, God, but we come before you with hum with holy boldness, Father God, with all humility, God. We stand before you with clean hands and a pure heart, God. We know what the word is that was spoken over our lives, Father God. We know that we have to unlock our destinies, God. We're not going to be afraid to go through the struggle, to go through any trial, any tribulation that you have, God, but we know that we have to walk it out, God. We know what your promises are for us, Father. You said they are yes and they are amen, God. We thank you, Father God, for it's already done, Father. The victory has already been won. The battle was already yours, God. All we had to do was show up for the fight. All we had to do was come into the court, God. And we've entered in, God. And we stand before your throne, God. You said, well, we may find mercy and grace in our time of need, God. And if it's ever a time that we need you now, God, it's now, God. We need you now, God. The enemy is roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour us, God. But we said it's not so. We already know that he's a defeated foe and that he's under our feet, God. We know, Father God, that we have the victory in you, God. We are triumph in you, God. We are your sons and daughters of God. You said we don't have to worry about anything that has been said about us, God. All we have to do is begin to refute it, God. And I pray, God, that we as your people will begin to open up our mouths, God. We will not be silent any longer. We will refute every word that the enemy has spoken against us, God. For we know, God, that it's already been, we've already been acquitted, God, because of the blood of the Lamb, God. We give you glory, God. We give you honor, God. We give you praise, Father. For we believe it to be so, Father. You said when we are gathered together, believing in faith that whatever we ask for in the courts, God, we shall receive. So we believe that we receive our freedom on today. Liberty is in this house on today, God. Our destinies will be unlocked today, God. As we begin to prophesy, God. And speak your word concerning us over our lives, Father. We shall live, we shall not die, but we shall declare the works of the Lord, God. We bless your holy name, God. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, begin to bless him. Begin to bless him. Begin to bless him. We have to remember the protocols, the strategies. Begin to develop that action plan. Let the enemy know that he is defeated foe. We have victory. I don't care what the enemy may say about us. He's a liar. He said he's a liar from the beginning. There's no truth in him. We have to begin to stand on the promises of God. Stand on his truth. As the Bible said, cling to the rock that is higher than you. 